Amen. Thank you, Brother Jeff. If you have your Bibles, if you'll find your place this morning in Genesis chapter number 31. Good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us here today, we're honored to have you on this at this 1030 hour. And those of you joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We're always aware when you're not able to be with us and we pray for you in your various conditions. We are thinking these days about very important matters that come from the book of Genesis. And uh, I call these uh, matters family secrets, family matters. And today we come to look at Jacob now as he, as he is leaving after 20 years of being uh, there where he found his wife, uh, Rachel and Leah, his wife. He's been blessed with children. He's been blessed and enriched. Jacob came here with nothing but the promise of God. He came here to this place with nothing but the promise of God. And now he leaves a blessed man, a wealthy man. And so we come to this very interesting chapter. And uh, as your pastor today, I, I, I really want to, I'm laboring here to talk about this very important subject because I believe it has such impact on our spiritual lives, even in the day in which we live. And so we'll read, uh, for the sake of time, that's why I gave you the bookmark. If you haven't picked one of those up, you can know where I'm going week by week, Lord willing. And um, this week, so if you can read ahead, you'll know a little bit more about what I'm talking about because it's hard to get it all in in my uh, selected time. Genesis chapter number 31, you've had time now to find that. And we'll read in verse 1, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what belonged to our father, he has made all this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban. And behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Then we come and read, beginning in uh, verse number, uh, let's just go ahead for the sake of time and read verse number 19. Now we move ahead in the story, and Jacob has met with uh, Rachel and Leah in the field. He's talked to them about the God's command for them to go. They've talked about family issues, about the importance of going. And now we read in verse 19, when Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban by not telling him that he was fleeing. Then we pick up the story on over Laban now hears the word that Jacob has left with all the family and all of his possessions. And now we find Laban, he overtakes them and catches up with the big caravan. And uh, he confronts Jacob uh, beginning uh, there in uh, verse number 25. I won't read all of that, but then we come down to verse 30 as Laban is speaking to Jacob. Now, you have indeed gone away, Laban says to Jacob. Because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? But, Laban says to Jacob, why did you steal my gods? 
And then we read in uh, verse number 32, the one, this is Jacob's response. He says, the one whom you find your God shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Uh, Point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the idols. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the idols. Now, verse 34, so now Laban looks through all the things and he comes to Rachel's tent. Now, verse 34, Rachel had taken the household idols and put them into the camel's saddle and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent but did not find them. She said to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you for the manner of woman, a woman is upon me. So he searched but did not find the household idols. He searched but he did not find the household idols. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our focal truth is this today, that family idols produce idol worship. Family idols produce idol worship. You see, we're made to worship. God created us to worship. And all of us will worship. We will either worship the true God revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll follow Him as our Lord and Savior or we'll serve idols. Generally, it's more than one idol. It's idols. We think of this often when we talk about idolatry and sometimes modern American Christians, we somewhat smile, especially when the preachers get on this subject of idols because we think of those And there are many, there are many, many, many around the world who do still bow before statues and stone, who light candles before uh, pictures of their family, who walk in India spinning the prayer wheels as they go along to the temple, who go to uh, various rivers in the world and pour water upon themselves, uh, somehow considering that these things as a part of their worship will uh, produce for them hope and Maybe they are those in other places in the world who have decided that one God's not enough. They have many gods. The reality is that there are many gods worshipped in the United States of America and in the, what we would call the, the advanced world. And today I want us to think about that together. I want to ask you a personal question. I've had some weeks to think about this. We've had our, we had a wonderful time at Family Life Weekend. Hope you, I'm sorry if you weren't able to join us. Perhaps next time you will, it'll be a special time for us to be together. But I want to ask you this, as I've thought about this, I'm trying to boil my thoughts down because we come to the table of the Lord today and there's not a more appropriate day for us to come to the table of the Lord than thinking about idolatry. First of all, do you believe that your family has idols? Do you believe that your family is an idol-worshiping family? Now, before you're quick to say, well, of course not, Pastor Mike, I'm saved. I want to remind you that there are things that get between us who are followers of Jesus and our Lord. The Lord Jesus said to Ephesus, you have left your first love. Something now is between us. The Lord Jesus said to that church. So the, the reality of practicing idolatry is potentially true for all of us in this room. And so the question is for us today to remember what is idolatry. I'll state it quickly. There's a lot we could cover here, but we don't have the time. But I'll try to 
point out these things through the story of Rachel. Rachel is an idolater. Rachel practices idolatry. And as a result of her practicing idolatry, we, we learn a lot of things about what it means to truly worship God. And those elements that are involved in our spiritual and emotional life that, that bring us to God in worship or bring us to other things or other people in worship. You see, if we do not deal with our family idols, you have great hopes and expectations for your children and your grandchildren, but the reality is they will have passed on to them family idolatry. That's what happened in the, in the story of Rachel. Jacob loved her greatly. She was taught by her father to be a shepherdess. She could do a lot of things. She was an outdoor woman. She didn't need any man to do anything. She could do it. She could take care of it. She could move the herds along. She could care for it all. She was farm girl. But she was an idolater. The question is in your life today, are you living for the Lord Jesus Christ exclusively or have you turned away to idols? Well, we have four observations here I'd like for us to look at together. Number one, Rachel had a spiritual, emotional, and my words are, I'm very careful with my words today. I want you to see these three elements of uh, characteristics of idol worship. They're also true essentials of genuine worship in spirit and truth. Rachel had a spiritual, emotional attachment is the first word, an attachment to the family idols. Secondly, we'll see that Rachel had a spiritual, emotional dependence on the family idols. And then we'll see in the third place, to just elaborate a little bit more, uh, Rachel had a spiritual, emotional assurance in the family idols. And then I'll ask you to just consider with me the great danger of the sin of idolatry and the impact it has upon our own personal lives, our families' lives, and the ministry and life of First Baptist Church. Well, let's get to it. Rachel had a spiritual, emotional attachment to the family idols. She grew up in an idolatrous family. We read these words and we're not really touched by them uh, as uh, others would be earlier on when we read this uh, in the original language, we read in verse 19, when Laban had gone to shear his flocks, then Rachel stole the household. And this is an interesting word. She, had, she stole the, the household teraphim. Teraphim. And this is a word that you can follow and track through uh, the word of God, teraphim. You see, Rachel stole the family uh, idol, which was a, an idol that spoke through the power of demons. It was a speaking idol. And this becomes very important. It's one of the earliest forms of demonism mentioned in the Word of God. And we trace teraphim all through the Old Testament and sadly discover that pagans weren't the only ones who practiced teraphim, that is, bringing these objects. We don't have details on how they're put together except the fact that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in these early days, there were idols of stone and rock, but there were also teraphim. And teraphim spoke. They spoke by the power of demons. You see, this is divination. It's an early form of demonism. And don't laugh today thinking it's not here around. You see, divination is the idea of seeking knowledge of the future and guidance for the future by an unknown supernatural means other than God. 
You see the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan used the teraphim. I can't believe I would say that. Israel, in the time of the judges, they don't listen to the judges. They do what's right in their own eyes. That's where sin will get you. In arrogance, you do what's right in your own eyes. You have no heart for God. You don't care about the things of God. You don't care what the Word of God says. And so eventually the tribe of Dan used teraphim. These, these idols that spoke by the power of demons for guidance. They did not ask God. Now we read other times in the Old Testament, the kings of Babylon, they would frequently use the teraphim and uh, these demons would speak to them through these idols. Sometimes these idols were uh, like a head or sometimes they would put on this teraphim a body and, and stand it up as if it's some kind of a, of a personage as these demons would actually speak. I remind you that Rachel grew up in a home hearing demons speaking out of these idols. Rachel was an idolater. Laban was an idolater. So we see here this divination. Sadly, in the darkest days of Israel's uh, walking away from God, because of their idolatry, when they fell and walked away from God, we read these sad words in Zechariah 10.2, for the teraphim have spoken vanity. You see, demons speak vanity. Demons speak emptiness. Demons don't speak the truth. And the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. So what do we see here? It's an interesting transition. Jacob meets his wives in the field and tells them that God has blessed them. But Rachel, as soon as she hears this, she goes and takes the family idol. Uh, she hears from uh, Jacob that God has now told them to go. And she says in verse number uh, 16, do whatever God says for you to do. But she goes and takes the family idol. Uh, Jacob had, she had seen and witnessed the riches and blessing of God upon her husband who came here with nothing and now leaves with this enormous wealth and all of these blessings. She saw the blessing of God on his life, but she went and took the family idol. You see, Rachel, Rachel understood that Jacob was listening to God, but she went and took the family idol. Oh, I want you to see from this, my dear friends, the power of attachment that idols bring to our minds and into our emotions the spiritual effect they have on us. Idolatry attaches itself to us and moves God into a secondary position or removes God completely from the thoughts of people. You see, idol worship holds our hearts loyal and our love. We're made to worship, but if we can see it, if we can see our God, if we could actually hear our God speak by the by these demons, then everything would be better than this ability we must have of trusting God and just reading the Word of God and walking along. Rachel was ready to move. She was ready to leave. And of all the things she could have been concerned about taking, she went back and she stole the household idols that were her father's. Well, we see here first this attachment, but we also see this dependence. She's dependent upon it. Look, there's a lot of really important work, good work being done in Dixon and other places 
around people who have addictions, heavy addictions to uh, alcohol, drugs, and other things, but I remind you uh, that the first addiction, the greatest of addictions, is idol worship and the serving of idols. You see, families are filled with these many idols. I give you a sample of some of the idols of today. By the way, I do mention to you, Rachel steals the family idol. Uh, Jacob has no idea about it. And when her father comes and confronts him, notice what he cared about. Did you see his attachment? Verse 30. What did you, why did you steal my gods? It's not, why have you moved everybody out? I didn't even get to kiss the kids goodbye. I didn't get to hug my daughters. It's, it's like, uh, where are my gods? Where are my gods? He's in a panic because his gods are gone. What will Laban do? What will this idol worshiper do now that he has no idols? Where are my idols? What have you done with my idols? And then we read these sad words. Rachel takes the idol, but she doesn't even tell her husband. This is how deep and secret her idolatry is. This is how dependent she is on her idols. She wouldn't care what her husband might say, for Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them, verse 32. Oh, what about idols today? How do I even start to describe the many family idols that are handed down generation after generation? Oh, and we will say, well, people love Jesus, but yet they love Jesus and their families. Family practice is filled with family idolatry. What about the idol of self-love and self? I sit myself upon the throne and I am God. I am my own God. If you cross me, I will retaliate. If you do something against me and disrespect me, I will show you no respect. I will give to you what you don't deserve, but I will retaliate in every way. I am the most important. Everyone in the family serves me, my priorities, my desires. I'm going to fulfill what satisfies me. If my marriage doesn't work, if my kids get in the way of it, if my job doesn't make it, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I am my own God. The idol of possessions. The idol of possessions, whether it be the things we drive or the places we sleep and sit at night, the places filled with our furnishings and the closets overflowing and all of the things that fill our lives all around us and they take our hearts away from God, the idol of this country, somehow putting this country in the place of God and worshiping the United States of America as if the United States of America is the holy, eternal, sovereign God and bowing to nationalism and not bowing to the Lord Jesus Christ the idol of family and family time and our families more than even Jesus. We love our families. We don't talk about Jesus with our families, but we love our families. And then worshiping people, worshiping those and finding those celebrities that we can have and emulate and look at in our lives as if they are gods to us. We want to be like them someday, the old country song said of the boy who idolized the country singer. What about pleasure? It never ends. 
It never ends. Well, as the, as the mama said to her boy, well, it's okay, son. You just, we just want you to be happy. We just want you to enjoy your life. What about the idol of technology? We've spent time in this place talking about it. Bowing to the idols of technology that will now make us live forever, that now will someday be inserted into your brain, that now will give you the ability to think and be God on your own, the idols of technology that will break down all of these barriers and limitations that God has put in, the, in place, whether it be life or death or whatever it may be, we can become all of these new things and we can evolve into a God-like creature through technology. And recreation, if only my ball, oh, how sad I am today, Pastor Mike, because my ball team may not make it into the, to the, to the tournament for the basketball teams. How sad I am, Pastor Mike, I don't even know what to do. My team didn't make it to the Super Bowl. I'm so sad today, Pastor Mike, because I didn't get a chance to play golf this week. I didn't have a chance at recreation. I didn't get to go ride my four-wheeler. I didn't. Oh, how sad my life has become. And then about work. Oh, I must go to work. I go to work whether anything else matters in my life or not. I have days off. I have vacation. I can have a balance of rest and work. But I choose to drive hard. I'm going to drive hard because I don't want anybody to think that I'm lazy or I back up to payday. I'm one of these who I'm going to bow to the idol of work and I will sacrifice my life on that idol. But what about religion? You know, I've, I've been doing this a long time. Long time. People start out walking with Jesus. They love the Lord. They're excited. They learn God's word to a measure. And then somehow they think that, I guess there's some, in their minds they believe, well, I've learned enough. I've gone to church enough. I don't need to do that anymore. I've got some other things I want to do before my life's over. Why the kids want to play ball. Well, the kids, they don't like it up there at the church. Well, they think the preacher preaches too long. He probably does. They don't like it over there. They, don't, they got a different crowd they want to run with. They got other things they want to do. So, well, I guess we won't go anymore. I guess we won't worship anymore. But I still love Jesus. I just don't go to church. I, I, don't, I still love Jesus. I just don't read my Bible. I certainly don't pray with my kids. I certainly, but we love Jesus. And you know, one of these days, our whole family is going to be in heaven. You see, there is the idol of religion. The idol of religion that Paul describes is in the last days, and we are in it. I say we're in it, where there is a form of godliness. But there is no power in the lives of those who worship this false idol. But what about demonism itself, astrology? The woman has to stop her car and she has to go by. She's got a lot of troubles in her life, but she needs to go get that reading. She needs to go get that reading from the astrologist to make sure she, the stars are aligned for her so that she might know what to do. She has a college degree. She has an advanced job, but oh, I hope nobody sees me, but I got to pull in here and I got to get my reading. What about the man? He, he doesn't know what's going to happen with his job. He needs this big deal to go through. So he finds, he drives by it every day. He sees that fortune teller sign. 
He sees that little place, that hole in the wall with the curtains drawn, the fortune teller. And he drives in there and there he goes and sits before someone who throws cards on a table, bones out of a table onto a napkin, or God forbid, calls him back to times where they call up the dead in seances. You see, occultic teachings are all around us. Occultic teachings are found in the movies that are produced. In the books that are written, the world talks about it. The world laughs about it. All of these occult demonic practices and the worship of the dead. You see, all of this is just just a little example of the vast, vastness of idolatry and idolatrous practices in this world. The mother is so happy after she's had the reading And so she goes home knowing that everything is going to be fine. You see, that's dependence upon idolatry. But there comes this assurance with it. You see, when I depend on my idol and I have an attachment to my idol, then I experience this assurance that comes. And that's what happened to uh, Rachel. She had an assurance of having these idols. That's why we read she's sitting on her idols. She hides them from her father. Did you read it there? Verse 35. Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you. She knew knew what her dad was doing. He was going from tent to tent looking for the idols. He was looking for the idols. For the manner of women has come upon me. I can't get up. So he searched, but he could not find the household idols. You see, Jacob and Rachel and the rest move on down the road. And we're going to come back to this, Lord willing, next week. We're going to have another run-in with idolatry, with the sons and the children of Jacob in a greater way. But you see, here's what I would say to you. Idolatry deadens the heart toward God. Idolatry keeps you separated from hearing from God. Psalm 115.8 says, Those who make idols become like the idols. Psalm 81.11, My people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I've given them over to stubbornness of heart and to walk in their own devices. I don't have time to elaborate on it, but I would like for you just, and I I realize the time, but please, I need to finish this. In Psalm 106, I'd like for you to turn there because I do want you to see an example from the Psalms of the power of idolatry over our lives. Psalm 106, we read beginning in verse, this is Israel's rebelliousness and the Lord's deliverance. And all of Israel's problems tied to idolatry as a result of their unwillingness to separate from the nations, uh, they became like them. Psalm 106, 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. Verse 20. They forgot God their Savior who had, gone, who had done great things for them in Egypt. Verse 24. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in His word. Verse 25. They grumbled in their tents and they did not listen to the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Verse number 28. They joined themselves also to Baal Peor. And, uh, and uh, eight sacrifices offered to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Uh, verse number uh, 34, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mingled 
with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. You see, they became unclean in their practices, verse 39, and played the harlot in their deeds. What leads to unfaithfulness in your Christian life? Idolatry. What leads to unfaithfulness to God and a lack of commitment to follow Jesus? It is an idol. It is an idol that says, this is a terrible thing to read. We wonder how could Israel come to the place of sacrificing their own children. But that's what we do to our idols today. We worship and serve our idols and it doesn't matter what it does to your family, to your marriage, to your children or your grandchildren. But you can mark it down. Your children and your grandchildren, they are affected by your idolatry and they will continue it in the days ahead. You see, idols demand complete trust and obedience. The Lord Jesus said something that no one likes to hear. So I want to join, stand beside the Lord Jesus and say what no one likes to hear. Here's what the Lord Jesus said about being a disciple. If you wish to come after me, you must hate your father, hate your mother, hate your wife, hate your husband and your children, and hate your life. That's the only way you can become a follower of Jesus. What is it in your life today that has come between you and God? You say, oh, Pastor Mike, things are okay in my life. Well, how's your prayer life? Uh, When was the last time you shared the gospel with anybody? When was the last time you heard the song we sung today and you heard it in your heart and said, yes, that's what I need. I need my heart to be filled with Holy Ghost fire again in my life. Rather than blaming the church, rather than blaming somebody else, maybe you look to yourself and say, wait a minute, I've allowed these idols to come in my life and they have deadened me to God and they have caused me to be dry in my spirit and I do not walk with God anymore. I have a form of godliness, but I do not have any power from God. I am separated from Him because of my idolatry. Well... What do we remember today as we go and prepare for this very important time at the table? You see, the table is a part of what we're doing here as we worship. It is the way we come to the Lord now as we finish hearing these words. We don't do the table without the preaching of the word. We do it together so that we hear God's word and then we respond. Well, I want to at least say these words to you. Idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone other than God. How about you today? You know, who's who's filling your mind? Who's occupying? Who's causing you your uh, attachment, uh, your, your, your worries and your troubles? What is it? What is it that's first in your life? Who is it that's first in your life? I love what uh, the old... Christian preacher from the second century origin said about idolatry. What each one honors before all else and what each one admires and loves above all else, this is for him, God. What each one honors before all else and what each one admires and loves above all else, this is 
before him God. If you say, as we had said last week, we would praise the greatness of God, there's no one greater than God. If you can't say that, if you don't mean that, you've got an idol in your life. While Moses was there on the mountain, my friends, you know this, don't you? While Moses was there on the mountain, God was was carving out of stone the ten words, the first of which was, You shall have no other gods before me. And while the words were being carved in that stone, Israel was unfaithful in idolatry down below in the valley. Where are you today in your relationship with God? Do you have some idols that don't need to be sold in a garage sale, but when you get home, need to be destroyed? Do you have idols somewhere hidden away in a secret place? You're like Rachel. Well, you know, everybody doesn't have to know I got this idol. This is just going to be okay for me. It's kind of like a trinket. It's kind of like a good luck charm. It's just something I keep around. Be careful of what you keep around in place of trusting God. Paul the Apostle said, we're to run from idols. Run from them. And, the, and, and what do we have, which is such an interesting thing. I love, I love it when all of our preachers and teachers in this church come to the end of 1 John because we always are trying to figure it out. We check Dr. So-and-so and everybody else trying to get an answer for why John the Apostle ended his letter with these words, guard yourself from idols. The shortest verse actually in the entire book. Do you not know? He said in the book, we're in the last hour. You see, the church either has to decide that's true or not. We're in the last hour. Time's about up. Jesus is coming again. We don't have to rant and rave about it. We don't have to act like crazy people. We simply have to believe and live by the fact that Jesus is coming again. It's the last hour. What did he also say in that book? He said that the, the spirit of Antichrist is rampant in the world today, and it is. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. The, the spirit of Antichrist comes before the Antichrist who will come who will physically stand in this place and try to control all things and, and do what he can do to take the place of God. And then he ends by saying these very special pastoral words. So your pastor now finishes in the same way. My dear brothers and sisters, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself. Yourself. From idols, so that you might be able to faithfully serve the Lord Jesus to the praise of the glory of His grace. The Lord is near to the door, and we pray as a church in these desperate days full of idolaters and false religion and those who have fallen away. Come, Lord Jesus.